0: Welcome to Get Up In The Cool, old time music with Cameron Dewitt and friends. This week's friends are Mark Tamsula and Richard Withers, and they brought some traditional music from southwestern Pennsylvania to share. I'm really glad these guys are keeping these tunes alive, and I'm glad their approach is much deeper than preservation. Uh, it's probably because they grew up in the same region that the tunes did. I would imagine they feel the freedom to contribute to the tradition in a way that they might not if they were outsiders. For instance. They play this little syncopation in Sarah Armstrong's Maggots in the Sheep Hide" that's definitely not in the transcription but improves it like a thousand percent. Uh, just so you know who's who, Mark is a fiddler and during our conversations he's mixed a bit to the right and Richard plays a harmonica and fife and banjo at the very end and when he talks he's mixed slightly to the left. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you where you can find more of their music in person and on CD. But first, Here's my conversation and jam with Mark Tamsula and Richard Withers. Enjoy.
1: Down the river, uh, Charles Cook.
0: good. Um, Mark Tamsula and Richard Withers, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank
2: you. Thank
0: you. Yeah. So um, y'all wanted to do traditional Southwest Pennsylvania fiddle tunes and uh, a little bit of Fife music today. Right. So um, I guess I want to ask, how were you introduced to this music? Is it the same story as how you got into playing old time music? Um or did you get it? What, what's the order here? How did the, mm. how did this all come
3: about? A little later with the, the Pennsylvania music, I think we both started off playing regular old time music um, years ago, and uh, we met up in Pittsburgh and we we're playing in a band for a while. And a um, friend of ours, George Baldros, um, had a uh, who's uh, was the head of Calliope at the time. We ended up. St- living in his house um, with a bunch of other musicians but uh, he had a volume of um, Samuel Byard's uh, Dance to the Fiddle March to the Fife and so we got to looking at it and uh, just kept saying over the years we should do more with this and we should record some tunes and it uh, um, kind of finally gelled from there and there was an old fellow Jim Harpst who um, was a uh, knew a lot of the some of the sources that bayard collected from and uh, so we have one of his tunes but uh, he also kind of s- sparked our interest yeah, in this jim,
1: jim came to our jam sessions and uh kept you know introducing us would bring some of those tunes out uh that, that was a big part of it big start and then uh, dave christie was active uh, Finding these guys, he did some videotaping uh, some of these old fiddlers uh, from Dunbar, uh, which these these are viewed viewed on uh, YouTube now. Uh, That's something you could find if you visit our website. Mm. That would uh, be a link you could follow from uh, SnapAndBug.com. And then Dave is now he plays guitar with us
0: uh, on our last two recordings. Right. Um. So what uh, what about this music? Drew you to it to focus so much of your energy and time on it? Open call, either of you guys. I, I, I
1: think it was just really kind of exciting to realize uh, there were tunes from here yeah. that fit. You know, are Did you they, both from uh, southwestern Western PA? I'm from the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, my family is. Well,
3: yeah, yeah from, you're from Blairsville, and um, the uh, I grew up in York County. Yeah which is further east, but um, we were also, I was really uh, amazed to find a collection of music from York County in that area. Um, Tracy Schwartz um, had uh, lived in that area and collected, and he and some others actually collected fiddle tunes. When I grew up there I knew nothing about what was going on, but apparently there was a a really rich tradition of uh, old time music in that Pennsylvania Dutch region so we have a few of those tunes as well
1: yeah and I didn't uh have any awareness of this growing up although uh Sarah Armstrong who was a big featured fiddler from Bayard's first book she lived in a town 10 miles from where I lived Derry right she lived in Derry I I grew up in Blairsville she had already passed away before I was born but still you know I was that close to it And and it wasn't until I met up with people when I went to college, that was my first exposure to old-time music. Yeah. Um, And still, you know, it it was many years later, uh, finding out about the Pennsylvania sources. uh, I think by then, by the time we were able to go and look for where it was still happening, they weren't playing these old tunes. People you know, would play for contests, and they were yes. playing contest material, which had a bluegrass uh, or swing yes. element to it. And uh, I think the old tunes were pretty much uh, out of circulation by then. And uh, finding these tunes out of the book, you know, we're just uh, exploring and uh, extracting things and, and uh, reviving them
3: to, yeah. to hear them again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think even the old the old fiddlers. Would, for contests and things, they would be playing tunes that they learned from elsewhere. I think the, this was the home stuff that you yeah. would, wouldn't otherwise hear, and they wouldn't really think to preserve. So um, that's also what made it exciting to start learning some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. As like, um, as sort of an, I'm originally from Oregon, and uh, sort of as an outsider to a lot of this region and this region's culture and music, um, you know. It's gotten me sort of thinking like, what do I have my roots in? You know, like what do, what do I, what is my musical cultural heritage? You know, um, like my family's from Oklahoma. Recently I had uh, Spencer and Rains on the show and we did like an Oklahoma tune. And I was like, oh, this is like where my roots are. And it it got me really excited. The idea that I could have access to this, Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, something that maybe I would actually have some kind of ownership of. I can only imagine. When you got into playing old-time music, and then discovered this, it was like, oh, this is, this is, like, for me, right. to preserve. It's music from home here. Yeah. I'm listening to it. Yeah. 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 Well, let's play this, um, Dick's Hand Spike. All right. And this is a really uh, peculiar name. What is, what's up with this title?
3: Well, um, I found out a Hand Spike is actually, I think it was a, a Scottish usage, but it's, Handspike is a a big pole that used to carry a coffin. Oh, wow! So this is really kind of a lament. Wow, that like
0: puts the tune in a whole different light. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's a really like sweet, Mm -hmm. earnest tune. Right. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Well, let's let's kick it off. That sure is a sweet tune. And that really helps, Like knowing, the, <laughs> knowing what a hand spike is. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah.
1: It comes from uh, one of the fiddlers with the more colorful names, uh, Isaac Newton Morris of Wayne yeah. County.
0: So um, you've played more southern Appalachian music, and you play this northern.
1: Yeah, I think our, you know, both up, both of us, and for some point together, we were, uh, you know, playing at festivals and picking up our our tunes from yeah. a more generalized yes. source. Um, and then um, that gave us something to compare this to, you know, a context that once we started to look at what's coming from these Pennsylvania yeah. materials. Sometimes there are things that are familiar. A lot of them aren't. A lot of these tunes just don't seem to be found elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I was expecting it. I was expecting more of the same maybe different titles and stuff. But you know, a tune like uh well both of those, Down the River, Dick's Handspike. I really don't uh sense any familiarity uh with with the, with right. the general uh,
0: Appalachian, yeah, it doesn't seem to be related to any other yeah. tune families. Sometimes people call them,
3: and they're no, they're not. I, I'm not that familiar with New England music or Northern music, but it, in Pensil, this area of Pennsylvania seems to be its own region. It doesn't yes. really. Um, it's not. They're they have some overlap and there's some crossover with both Southern and Northern traditions, but it has its own set of tunes. Yeah, yeah. What I. I don't even really know what are the demographics of, like, southwestern P.A. Um, Scots-Irish, to, you know, for, I mean, the, those are the people that, uh, the Europeans that settled there were yeah. mostly Scots-Irish and then German uh, and English. That right. would be the, the kind of the mixing groups there. I can kind of hear that in the, in the tunes. It feels like,
0: it feels to me when I listen to it, it feels more, it feels like less of a blend of like a bunch of different cultures like I don't necessarily hear like uh, black or Native American influences in it as strongly as I would in like Southern Appalachian music don't think so yeah no. um, which I think is yeah definitely makes it really unique there's not necessarily like a hard driving quality to it I the best word I've thought to describe like especially Sarah Armstrong's tunes or is stately? Um, That's a good stately yeah uh, but I, I think they're really really sweet, and you can still play them. Like I like playing maggots in the sheep hide, which we're gonna play later. I like playing that one really fast. And, oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know, uh, playing it with a Southern Appalachian like groove, you can like bring them to the yeah, any jam and yeah. There's plenty of drive there too. There yeah, be- yeah. Um, well, I, I need to get to D real quick, so let's take a quick uh, tuning break, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll move right on.
1: I think uh after the first couple when we realized uh we were really enjoying what we were finding in here yeah and that was beginning to i cr- sort of created a pattern for itself like you mm-hmm. know based on what we just you know figured out on this tune that it worked in a way uh but somehow it, it it came to my mind i maybe like a just a personal philosophy thing but i thought okay you know bayard went and he visited uh you know, over 100 fiddlers yeah. in the course of this the project. It was 35 years that he did this in his summer vacations. Wow, I
0: didn't know it was over 35 years. Yeah, he
1: started in 1928, Huh. and he was only like an undergraduate at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh. But so he's you know eventually finding people. Uh, you know, one would give him a reference to the next. Um, but I I can't help thinking, okay, these fiddlers. Uh, they were playing their favorite tunes for him. Yeah. You know, why, why wouldn't, why would they play something they didn't like? (laughs) They were, they were hopefully, you know, getting into what they were doing. Just like we are now. I thought, well, that's got to be a key to interpreting this stuff. You know, there's got to be a fun component when, when we're all done, when I've, you know, worked the tune to a point and I said, I think this is what it's supposed to be. It should reflect, you know, well, this was probably his best tune. Yeah, you know that he had a chance to, to, sh- to give to Bayard. So yeah, there will be something in there. that I'm identifying. I'm connecting with sure. those
3: fiddlers on uh, each one. Yeah, you know, you, you met, we were talking about regions, and I think one thing that we, we tend to think of Appalachia as something southern, but what and then northern and southern music, but really what holds a lot of this music together is just being from Appalachia. Yes, and Pennsylvania it's um, actually the. Has more square miles of Appalachia than any other state. Wow, so it's an Appalachian state. And That's so interesting. <laughs> I, most people don't lump it in, right? But it's uh, you know all the way through. And there's a you know as you go diagonally across the state, there are traditions. Um, we di- we haven't recorded things so much, but uh, Bayard also went to central Pennsylvania, and uh, there's uh, there's a tradition northeastern Pennsylvania too. Um, mm. There's a fiddler a lot of people know of named Jalile Kirchhoff, who is uh, really well known for his set of fiddle tunes from that region, so... Yeah, uh,
0: that's a lot of... (laughs) It was Bayard, sorry, you say his name. Bayard. Bayard, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Bayard, is he like the only source for these tunes? And are they all just written? Are there original recordings of any of these?
1: uh he started using recording equipment in the 1940s oh, okay so and that was pr- probably after he published the first collection uh there's a smaller book called hill country tunes
0: that's the one that i'm familiar with yeah
1: that has most of the sarah armstrong tunes in it uh she was a big part she was featured maybe like a third of the right the material uh in the dunbar fiddlers uh and he elaborated more on their, on the people and their backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. more biographical stuff in that book. Um, and so after that came out in the 40s, then uh, they said he began to use recording equipment. Uh, and there are reel-to-reel tapes. Uh, there's an archive up in the Penn State uh, Library. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, a friend of mine from uh, Indiana, PA, he's the music li- head of the music library there, Carl and he went up to Penn State and transferred all the tape to CD. Yeah. And there's like 20 CDs of wow. <laughs> all this material. Uh, I think all of it's been uploaded to YouTube now, so you can oh go goodness. and listen to it, the recordings. But every reel of 20 minutes or 30 minutes became one track on, on the CD. Uh huh. So you don't have breaks for each individual tune. You'd have right.
0: to sit and uh, listen through what, what's there. Seems like someone needs to like get a grant to like sort through all that and wow. <laughs> or something I'm or or someone who has spare time
1: yeah <laughs> it may have already be been accomplished by now yeah maybe so
3: but it's, cool. it's fun to listen to them though because they're him doing what we're doing here but with you know you can just hear him uh talking to old fiddlers and singers and fifers and you know they're trying to remember the tune yeah uh, yeah you know so it's you you get the it's raw stuff when you listen to it yeah not
1: particularly not exceptional quality either Uh it's it's a bit rough to
3: uh, well
0: it makes me feel kind of like sentimental thinking about like uh Bayard like doing like Basically, the same thing that I'm doing right now, <laughs> like you know, for th- there you go. thirty-five years. That's like kind of neat to think yeah. that like people have been doing this for a long. Well, time imagine long. when he started though, before reusing the tapes, the fiddlers would play
1: the tune for him, and he would write it yeah. out in real time. That's awesome. While they play. They may. Have, they must have slowed down. For yeah, right, right. I think they
3: slowed down and went over it. But yeah, it, that he it was doing enough, like
1: taking dictation.
3: He could just draw that. That's out, cool. <laughs> yeah, which so, he did originally because that area roads were so bad and he was you know he was in his early 20s when he started this in, in the late 20s but um, not only did he not have recording equipment but he couldn't have gotten it to these places yeah. anyway so yes yeah. that's, that's all he had was to you know this transcription yeah
0: well uh, I'm in D so I think we're, it's time to play some Sarah Armstrong tunes you want to talk about Sarah Armstrong a little bit um. She lived in Derry,
1: Pennsylvania. Uh, Sarah Gray Armstrong, her father and brothers uh, were the... They were the, the local music family, I suppose. Uh, the Grays. Um, and she, uh,
0: she learned from them,
1: carried it on. Uh.
0: Someone... Uh, my friend Chris was saying... Uh, I don't know if you got this from the book. I haven't read like the biography section of Hill Country Tunes. But um, heard, I think he was saying that like, pe- that she was like, an interesting member like of the community, and that like maybe like people thought she was a witch or something. Is that true? Is there any truth in that?
1: <laughs> uh, I ran into somebody uh, a couple years ago. Uh, it was a festival in Derry, and they were featuring her tunes for this. Uh, myself, a uh, Todd Kluhl from York. Yes. Uh, he did a recording project uh, years back. Did a collection of her tunes. Anyway. He came in and uh, we played together as a band um, and a family member, I think it was a niece, came up to us and was talking and said, yeah, you know, that and they called her Sadie, Aunt Sadie the witch. <laughs> and they didn't mean that just to be kind of, you know. Uh,
3: like she was mean or something. <laughs> no, they, they, they
1: weren't just making an insult of it. They were referring to her, her having witch power and like people were sort of wary of her. Interesting. And when a young family member was born, like a nephew or somebody was born, then one of the relatives made a necklace out of a dime for him to wear to protect him from her witch power.
0: Wow. Wait, did people, like, was she like a black sheep in the community? Like, did people not talk to her? This is all I really know know about her. There's very little more to it.
3: uh, The only hint that, you know, because Bayard uh, also talks about um, uh, witch masters, and by that, they weren't, you know, it just meant somebody who had a lot of powerful knowledge and yeah. spells as well as, I guess, you know, other things in folklore. So they weren't necessarily, you know, somebody who was evil, but... Right. Somebody you had to watch out for, I guess. Interesting. Somebody, yeah, so... Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I kind of speculate that, you know, at that time period, you know, we're talking through the early, you know, 20th century here, yes. and... Uh, she, I think she had bright red hair. Yeah, you know, woman, red hair woman playing
0: fiddle. Yeah, maybe just uh, the. Was she was she married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she had some kids. So it wasn't like she's a single woman. Like no. sometimes no. that's like an association, you know. No, I think otherwise she was probably just you know,
2: yeah,
1: decent person. But you know, maybe some people had that impression. You know, <laughs> what she was doing things that didn't seem like what women were right. typically doing. Right. And, uh,
3: I love unless it. A, <laughs> unless that woman was just... thought, Here's an out-of-towner. I think I'll pull his leg. and <laughs> <Yeah. or laughs> made yeah. so Yeah, who knows. <laughs> Either way, it's
1: good. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people are enjoying her tunes these days. Yeah. So her, her stuff has gotten around very nicely. Uh, yeah. And this is
0: one of them, Snouts and Ears of America. There was something interesting written in the margins about this. I think it was this tune. I think Bayard said, a could be... it." I think he said it could be related to Irish washerwomen, uh, but but if if it is, it's an improvement. He made some <laughs> sort of statement. I think it was
3: this one. I don't know. That was what. That's what he was. That's what he did in, in that dance to the fiddle, march of the fife. He was interested in uh, uh, making associations to yes. British Isles music. And yeah. The, um... I just
0: enjoyed that little like moment of just. Blatant bias. Notes and ears of America. Why? What, what's up with that title? Any idea? Um, Bayard <laughs> seemed to be
1: uh, um, clueless about it, or he, he said there's no. Yeah, that didn't mean anything to him. But uh, from another source, and I don't know if this was just someone's impression or this comes from a real thing. Uh, if you look at the map of America, you can sort of uh, see the. The north the <laughs> the two you know corners up in the east and the west and i think the uh yeah. interesting you, you can think of them as snouts and ears as if america were like a face yeah or, or like a, a big hog head or something. a big hog's head <laughs>
0: wow what that's is... what it looks like
3: from rural pennsylvania interesting a big hog.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: that's awesome i yeah that makes a lot of sense I thought it was like I don't know some sort of like weird patriotic dog lover tune or something (laughs) (laughs) but I like that more very cool well uh Muddy Water is next also Sarah Armstrong this is my first time hearing this one so real excited to hear this one
3: Ellen Goshen, who's uh, she's actually been she's on a recording, and she um, oh very good. She's also been really kind of independently of us. She was interested in the Byard collection and um, in the songs. Oh, very good. um, He he spent a lot of his time collecting songs from these regions, and um, they're not published. And so she yeah. yeah, So there's a collection of a Penn State. She actually um, has gone up herself and sort of researched the songs and has has recorded some of them.
0: I would love to hear that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, please.
3: Did you want to say anything about this song collection of Bayard for this podcast? You don't have to.
2: <clears throat>
4: well, I can say that um, it was really fun digging through, you know, archives that are, you know, kind of disorganized. Not not disorganized, but unpublished, right? So you're rooting through and trying to find manuscript. And he was, Bayard took a great uh, manuscript copy of the singers that he, yeah. you know, the tunes that he was getting from singers. Um and that's like a little treasure hunt, you know, that's really fun to do. Um, and I did notice um, from what limited experience I have um, that some of the tunes really sound southern. Okay. Right? Um, and those honestly have the most appeal to me. Just because I like that. Yes, yes. And some of them sound to me more New Englandy, more yeah. not Irish exactly, but just to have a different flavor. Yeah. So it was fun looking through those and comparing those and. Um, and these are and know,
0: songs specifically songs, what you're looking Just songs,
4: unaccompanied oh, songs, right? Just unaccompanied, unaccompanied songs. A lot of Child ballads, yeah. some things that were published by Child and then um, transcribed by uh, Bronson. I what think. do you What do you
0: mean by child ballad, break that down a little bit
4: Francis child was a collector I'm glad
0: i asked <laughs> i was like you mean like kids' songs
4: <laughs> he like... was a collector okay and he actually didn't care much about melody he just... found it really fascinating that all these folks through hundreds of years were reciting <laughs> you know yeah. um the same poems and yeah. how could they have lasted this long. Yeah. Well, they weren't reciting them. They were singing them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Bronson
4: is this person who understood the different melodies were really important, and so he transcribed the melody. So, now they're kind of conflated. The, the, the volumes, you know, yeah. with the child ballads of the melodies.
0: What do they what do they sing about?
4: Everything. You know, the, the old songs that you know. Like, um, Pretty Sarah." Cero. Pretty Sarah's is okay. probably not a child ballad, but Scarborough Fair is a child ballad.
0: Okay.
4: Um, Lord Randall, Lady Margaret and Sweet William, House Carpenter, all those things are really, really old.
0: Are there any that are like.
4: And then native? Lomax did it too, right? Oh, okay. So, and Lomax maybe weren't more familiar with those more popular sounding ballads. They're not really long story ballads.
0: But... Are any of them native to Southwest Pennsylvania? Or are they just. Like...
4: I have not found any where the lyrics were totally new. Gotcha. I'm sure that they exist in it. Yeah. There are folks the new fa- newlanders, the new There are some groups Yeah,
3: newlanders uh
4: local from up folk
3: near State College. The They're
4: local. not going to be old old songs.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, they'll be maybe from 1900 Folk-mers, on or 18. The that's... Years. Do they sing They're singing old old songs, but there are people who are there are Pennsylvania folk bands that are singing
2: oh, yeah. later. Yeah.
4: Things that are native just to Pennsylvania because yeah. they're new and they're writing about the experiences that are new, but they're mostly really old.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, jumping
0: on the mic for a second. Anything uh, else?
4: <laughs> no, it's um, you know, all three of us love old songs and old tunes. Yeah. You know, so it's been fun to revive some of them. And I'm still looking, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um Some of the melodies, I'm like, I'm not crazy about that, but I'm still looking. I'm going to find looking some for, more that we really the gems. Yeah. the gems. And we yeah. found a few gems, so.
0: Very good. Yeah. Yeah, is there anywhere we can hear that?
4: Mark can tell you all about that.
0: Um, our Ellen is on uh, two
1: or three CDs, uh, and they're all um, traditional music of southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, Up in the Batten House is the first one we did, uh, myself and Richard, and then on uh, the second album Up Jump Joe, in the middle of it, uh, Ellen and Dave Christie, uh, and us two, uh, as well as on the third album Behind the Door. So uh, they're all available on uh, elderly instruments. And uh, we're come and find us. So, so no, thing.
0: no digital downloads, just c- physical CDs. Um,
1: that that's going to be coming soon. Okay, you know, very yeah. good to know. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah.
4: yeah. And I guess the um, buyer talked about the borderland too. Just thinking about the different sounds of this ballads in Pennsylvania, because of the borderline with, you know, West Virginia. Yes. You know, it's just a straight line. It's just a you know yeah. maybe kind yeah. of an artificial barrier. So the travel up and down from Pittsburgh through West Virginia and, yeah. the, and then up north, you know, cool. just the various travels that people were making give them balance or different, give them melodies, their different sounds. So um,
2: I love,
0: like, on the show, whenever I get some information that's sort of paradigm changing, like you saying that there's more square miles of Appalachia in Pennsylvania than anywhere mm. else, you know, it's just like, I had no idea. And yeah, it's like, yeah, getting getting deeper and wider in this, like, music that I love so much. It's really cool. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Let's uh, let's play another tune. Let's play Maggots and the Sheep Hunter. Uh, one of the uh, one of my very favorite tunes to play and one of my uh, one of the most disgusting titles The <laughs> old time tune I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah.
1: What else could that, you know? Usually uh, there's know. a double meaning somewhere, but I, I just, yeah. I <laughs>
2: don't want to even go there. Cool. Uh,
0: Maggots in the sheep hide. So um, you we're gonna play a fife tune. Yeah, I'll
3: play a fife tune.
0: Is this uh from the dance to the fiddle? It March is. To the fife. Yeah. Okay, very um,
3: good. Um, let me think what I'm gonna do here. Um,
0: maybe, maybe just like say for those who don't know what a fife is or have maybe just a vague idea, what what's going on? What do you what do you have yeah, here? Yeah,
3: a fife is essentially a, a very short flute. Um, the uh, um. It was a marching instrument and, you know, that's something that goes back for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes. But um, particularly in the Civil War, um, there were a lot of fife and drum uh, bands and uh, that's a tradition that uh, probably was found anywhere throughout the, you know, eastern United States, but they um, seemed to uh, um, linger longer in southwestern Pennsylvania, maybe because of the isolation. Yeah. but uh, every little town would have its Fife bands, and Fife and drum corps, and they would play for just about any kind of event. You could have a funeral, or a festival, yeah. or a wedding, or anything. Um, but uh, the, when Byard went, um, Byard himself played the Fife, but uh, when he uh, collected tunes, um, there would be fiddlers, there would be fifers, there were some who didn't play either, but there were uh, several of the sources who were both fiddlers and fifers. Yeah. And the tunes would seem to be interchanged. There wasn't mm. really one set of fife tunes and one gotcha. set of uh, um, dance tunes—they'd be played differently, um, yeah. you know. But uh, especially the, the apparently the fife and drum bands would just appropriate any kind of music for their cool, you know, cool. for the marches. Um, I'm actually playing a, a, a an F. Um, A—it's a, a marching flute. Um, I don't the a real fife is in D, and it's uh, much uh, it, it's much shriller. And uh, I think you know real fifers that play for. Uh, fife and drum bands—they'd play in an upper register, gotcha. with a set of fingerings that I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's—it's it's great to hear from a distance, but it's yeah. not, not as accessible for, <laughs> you know, uh, for a small crowd. But uh, anyway, so I'll do a couple of tunes here um, on this fife. Um, and the—the um, the first one is that there was a character named Sam Waggle, and apparently who was very well known. Byer didn't meet him, but he learned. Um, uh, he learned from people who had met him he was a blacksmith or a uh, had a gun shop in ligonier and the appa- dunbar. dunbar okay yeah um and uh, apparently was a real character he had been a civil war veteran himself and so this is a lot of the tunes didn't have names and i don't think this one did mm. um we just call it sam waggles because uh, that's where it came from
0: Connection between um, like fife and drum music and and war, like what's going on there? People often sort of like equate them, or like if there's like a Civil War period movie or something, you know, there'll be like a fife and drum. Like, what's is there some is there a function to the music beyond just enjoying it, or like, well, one thing is if you ever hear a,
3: a real fife band playing, is you can hear them from a long way off, gotcha, because it carries. And it's also, you know, when you hear one, it sort of sounds shrill, and you know, um, but when you hear a whole bunch of them together, it's actually pretty stirring. I mean, yeah. you know, it really uh, gets you moving, and uh, because of the pitch too, cool. they carry.
1: Yeah, people are marching. You're coordinating people moving on foot for uh, long distances, yeah. and there's some importance to that. You know, everyone keeping
3: a beat. Uh, yeah, you can move yeah. people much more efficiently if you're, you know, used to music.
0: Man, that makes me feel so, such complicated feelings. <laughs> you know, that like, the idea of this beautiful music being kind of like an essential part of the war machine, you know, back yeah, I guess then. So.
1: Yeah. There's another component to this. Uh, it surprised me when I first heard it uh, for a long time. Every volunteer fire department mm. in Pennsylvania had its own fife band. Huh.
0: Now, why? <laughs> Just because they had to have something to do while they're waiting um, for the town to burn down? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose you have to have a, a
1: certain you know, level of organization, right. you know, like, much like military, if you're going right. to keep firemen organized. But they may have also been the standby militia.
3: Interesting. It's good music, too. I mean, I think that yeah. was what the... I'm sure yeah. that was the... That was the main function of it in right. time. It wasn't, you know, it was not about delicious right. it was really about uh, people enjoying doing this and being yeah part I guess of it. people weren't necessarily organizing that way anymore except for firefighting right. <laughs> interesting cool that one was in obviously in 6 eight time it sounds very Irish and it's a you know it's not an Irish tune that I know of but um, the, the uh, we we're not playing too many of them but uh, there's a lot of fiddle tunes that were um, he didn't, they weren't called, Bayer didn't, never call them a jig unless they were directly from an Irish yeah. tune, but uh, a lot of them were called quadrilles, hmm. and uh, unfortunately we don't really know exactly what, the, what dances were going on, he didn't yeah. record that, but uh, so there was a lot of, um, you know, they mixed stuff that, uh, you know, in 4-4 four, four and 6-8. Cool. Well, are you playing
0: another 5-tune and then you guys are doing your duet? Is that what's going on? You said you had a
2: couple.
3: I could do another one, but I yeah, thought you wouldn't do it. Throw,
2: throw another
3: one at us. Okay. Um, let me play one that's that doesn't sound quite as, uh, um, to my ears anyway. Doesn't sounds more American. Um, and this one is actually, I think, from a fiddler. This was actually from, um, Irvin Yager, the uh, Snowy Hill. <laughs> No, oh, that was great. <laughs> I love it.
0: Well, um, you two have one more tune yeah. for us, and uh, before you play, that, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show. Um, I first heard your name, Mark, uh, actually on the very first episode that I ever recorded of the show, which was with Rye Burhands. Oh yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And uh, we played. Um, he said this is. Uh, he said this is a Pennsylvania tune. That's <laughs> <is> how you <we laughs> introduced it, and we played your uh, Lost Indian. Oh, um, wow. And uh, that was my first uh, inkling that there was, a, there was a whole world of Pennsylvania music. And I, since then, I've had you guys on my radar and wanted to have you on the show. And it's really mm-hmm. awesome to have
3: you, you here
0: at Top of all places. Well, and, well thank you yeah. for
3: doing this. Yeah. So
0: what uh, what's this last tune? Um,
1: it's called Jimmy King. And it comes from a fiddler named Edward King. And I'm going to say this uh, in the Traditional way of the old fiddlers. Uh, it's on B flat.
0: <laughs> on B flat. Very good. Um, yeah. No. Just to clarify, are you saying King or Kane? King. King. Jimmy King. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, go see Mark and Richard play. They're playing a contra dance on Friday, April 13th at the Shiloh Center, featuring all traditional Pennsylvania tunes and traditional Pennsylvania dances. Heidi Wetlaffer is calling. On Sunday, April 22nd, go to the CD release of The Snowy Hill at the Threadbare Cider House. And on Saturday, April 28th, the and Bug trio of Tamsula, Withers, and Christy perform at the Wiggle Whiskey Barrel House. But if you can't go to any of these events, you need to get a copy of The Snowy Hill when it's released in a couple of weeks. That'll be available for order at Elderly.com. I got a chance to listen to it, and it's my new standard for traditional music albums. Richard has an uncanny ability to preserve what's great in the sources, but still play with a lot of freedom. I should probably tell you what's on the album, huh? It's uh, all Southwest Pennsylvania fife and fiddle tunes played on wooden flutes, with some songs thrown in there as well. I really want you all to hear it, so make sure you order a copy, or track them down at Clifftop and get one in person. In the meantime, go to snappin'bug.com. that's S-N-A-P-P-I-N-B-U-G.com for more info on their music, live, recorded, and instructed. If you want to support Get Up In The Cool, thanks, I accept. The free and easy option is to share the show with your friends and family in person, on social media, and on all the trad music forums. Then find Get Up In The Cool on Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. It's super easy to do from your phone or on the computer and helps a lot with the show's visibility. But if you're a super fan and want to make sure that I keep making Get Up In The Cool, and you want to get exclusive bonus content, go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the Patreon button. There you'll find all the levels at which you can support the show and their corresponding rewards, like on-air shout-outs, weekly bonus tracks, online banjo workshops, and access to the Get Up in the Cool Tune Archive, featuring every tune ever played on the show, tagged and organized for your iTunes library. Special thanks to my newest Get Up in the Cool supporter, Coryden Anderson. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. I really appreciate the support. Thank you so much. The best of 2016 album, Get Up in the Cool Volume 1, is available on my website, CameronDeWitt.com. Just click the buy slash stream button. While you're there, click that button that says T-O-T-B-S, which stands for Think Outside the Box Set, my other podcast, also musical in nature, but very, very different. I recommend starting with episode one. I teach banjo lessons on Skype, and I have room for more students, so hit me up for lessons if you're interested. Also, I'm teaching a workshop and recording live Get Up in the Cool episodes at Evos, that's the East Vancouver Old Time Social, uh, this weekend. So come say hi. I am currently in Seattle at a public park and recording this. That's why there's all this background noise. All the links I mentioned in this outro can be found in the show notes on your device or on CameronDeWitt.com slash GetUpInTheCool. And make sure to like, follow, and join Get Up In The Cool's Facebook page and group, respectively. Finally, Get Up In The Cool is always looking for one-off or continuing sponsorships, so hit me up if you want me to plug your business, website, or crowdfunding campaign. Thanks for listening,
2: friends. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool.